What is going on, everyone? Welcome into another episode of the Hangout in the Holy Land, the official podcast of Land Grant Holy Land. My name is Colton Denning, and I am your host, and I am joined, as always, by my friend and co-host, Patrick Mayhorn. Patrick, so many things went on in the last, like, five months, and then National Signing Day rolls around, and there was basically a whole lot of nothing for Ohio State today. It was very, very quiet. It's great, isn't it? It's very, very nice. <laughs> I woke up at 11 today. I didn't have anything to do. It was wonderful. This really strikes me as the most calm signing day, uh, gosh, at least since Urban Meyer arrived. I, I think that that's pretty easily the case. There, there was a couple of commits. We'll get to the two players Ohio State signed, but most of this class was locked in. There was a decommitment, but something that Almost everybody saw coming for the better part of the last month or so. So there really wasn't a lot that happened. And it's a very small class. 17 commits in this class ranked 14th in 24-7 sports composite. It's average like almost all the Ohio State classes we've seen recently, though. One of the better in the country. I think it's third only behind Alabama and Clemson. So don't mistake this small class size for not being talented. I think 12 of the 17 kids in this class are blue chippers. Three of those are are five-star per the 24-7 sports composite. So not an untalented class by any means, just a very compact signing day in class for what amounts to be Ryan Day's first class. Yeah, not a ton going on today, which is, I mean... I think kind of part of the course now in college football. We certainly saw a couple teams had big days today. I saw Tennessee and, and Florida and a couple other teams had um, several big gets today. But Ohio State signed, I mean, as we said, almost all of their class back in December. And I I think that will generally be the case going forward. So the regular signing days in February are kind of just the – um, you know, the wrap ups, see who's available post the you know signing day in December and then try to get those guys late. And that's what Ohio State did um, today. Obviously, the the two recruits that Ohio State land offensive tackle Dewan Jones from Indianapolis, six foot eight, 360 pounds. He's massive, um, a little bit more of a project, at least in terms of uh, the you know typical expectations of Ohio State recruits. He's a guy who certainly isn't going to be playing at 360 pounds at Ohio State. I, I just don't, I don't see that as as being physically possible. Um, so they're they're going to be getting him down probably closer to 335, 330, 325. And he's he's a bit more of a project, but he's a really really athletic, talented kid. And then the other one is uh, Hawaii guard Inok Vimahi. I think that's right. Uh, who Ohio State went in and landed on pretty much a month of recruitment. Um, they were aware of him before the uh, the official coach swap into uh, Ryan Day from Urban Meyer, but he was a guy that Ryan Day really wanted, that Urban Meyer had not recruited much of at all. And Day basically spent the last month going out to Hawaii and having this kid visit here and um, trying to sway him away from USC, where he was going to be headed um, and then on the you know on the final day today, Ohio State's able to pull him away from USC, which is super super impressive and um, really a a big pull and a big time move for Ryan Day. You brought up that Jones is a little bit of a project, and there's really not a ton to dive into when it comes to him because we're quite frankly just not going to see him on the field anytime soon. And it looks like that's the case with Vimahi too, correct? 
yeah, yeah. Vamahi has a um, he has a a Mormon mission to go on first, and I, I believe if I saw it right, he's leaving after his first semester at Ohio State, which means he will be back with the team um, this time, 2022. I think so. Essentially, think of him as a 2021 recruit. Um, during that time, the as it was explained to me. Um, by SB Nation's Matt Brown, who knows more about this than I do. It, it doesn't go against eligibility or anything like that. It, it doesn't, you know, he's not going to come back as a junior. He's not a JUCO kid or anything. He will be a freshman. He'll just be two years older. And it's it's certainly a risk to take a kid like that because he's going to be away from football for two years. And, you know, they he he's allowed time to, to exercise, but it's not a ton. And there's a chance with with kids like that that he goes and loses 30 pounds or he goes and gains 30 pounds on his mission and comes back and isn't really a, a viable option anymore. But Ohio State likes the game a lot. Um, I like his game a lot. He he already knows how to pass for a or how to block for a pass heavy offense. And I, I think that with more maturity, if he can keep up with his you know athletic ability, he can be really good when he does get to Ohio State in a couple of years. Other other than that, there really isn't a ton to talk about, at least when it, it comes to stuff from today. I know a lot of the discussion has been about offensive line and Doug Nestor, and, and that was the one thing I mentioned where everybody kind of knew that he was going to decommit. How big of a deal is that, and what are your main takeaways about this class? Well, well, I'll start with the um, with the Nestor news. This, as you mentioned, not super surprising. Um, this had been a, a thing that was in the works since Urban Meyer announced that he would be retiring. Um, Nestor was committed to Meyer. He was coming to Ohio State for Meyer. And despite the best efforts of Ryan Day and to an extent Greg Studrawa, I'm not really sure that, <laughs> that Greg Studrawa actually helped too much in this one. Um which is probably a larger problem than than just this specific uh, recruit. But it, it really was, you know, Nestor was looking for a reason to leave. He was essentially uncommitted for the last two months or so, and he found a reason to leave. He, he visited Virginia Tech. He had a very good time there, and I, you know, wish him the best. I, I think that Virginia Tech's a fine place for him to land, and Ohio State certainly would have liked to have him, but they went and got two pretty good players today. And I, I think that they're happy with the, not necessarily the trade-off, but I think they're happy with what they ended up with. And you know, the class on the whole, it's it's not as, as highly ranked as their usual classes, sitting at about 14th, I'm seeing on 24-7 sports. But like you mentioned, it's a small class in terms of average rating. It's still very good. And as we said back in the, the December signing day, there are some really elite players in this class at the top end. You know, guys like Zach Harris and Garrett Wilson, Harry Miller, who could see the field right away, I think, especially with Wilson, um, guys who can contribute immediately. And, you know, the, the depth in this class is um, it, it's filled out a bit more with projects than usual. There are some guys in here who I think are going to take a couple years to develop. But there are also some guys like Tommy Eichenberg, like Marcus Crowley, who stand out specifically as players who were very much underrated based on the fact that they just didn't have a ton of film until their senior year. They they didn't have a ton to show until their senior year. Tommy played at a high school where elite talent is coming out every single year, and he just was buried on the depth chart for a while. Marcus Crowley 
was buried on the depth chart from a while, coming from a, a really, really great school down in Florida with Trinity Christian, which happens to be where Sean Wade is from, if I remember correctly. So Marcus Crowley may be our next guy that we need to uh, really, really go hard for. But two guys who were just elite this past year, this you know their senior year, and were really, really excellent players. I think Marcus won Florida's Gatorade Player of the Year. He was really, really spectacular down there, and um, maybe doesn't get the the ratings respect that he deserves because we just haven't seen a ton of him yet. But I, I think that a lot of the guys in this class are going to be very capable contributors for Ohio State with a couple of them being legitimate stars maybe as soon as they step on campus. Yeah, that was the one thing we really discussed at length after that early uh, early signing day in that episode was that maybe this class doesn't have 12 or 13 guys who were you know really big contributors, but the top-level players and the guys that are going to be stars from this class are going to make massive impacts on the field and I think that they're going to do it right away starting with Garrett Wilson and Zach Harrison and and some of these other highly ranked players and and the other thing that really stands out to me and has been a topic of conversation ever since he took over as the full-time head coach is I I think at least for now and, and if you look at future classes and some of the guys that have already committed to Ohio State in 2020 and 2021 any discussions or concerns we've had about Ryan Day's ability to recruit I think can be put to bed is he going to recruit to the same degree as Urban Meyer probably not but the guys that they are getting are very talented and and I don't think that they are going to be very far behind from what they were yeah I mean you know (laughs) with the with the Vimahi thing and to an extent with the Jones thing, these are guys Ohio State did not lead for when you know Ryan Day took the the starting job. And these are guys that he closed on. He he went and landed these recruits, both of whom were pretty highly touted. I mean, Jones was heavily considering Penn State. I think Penn State was the favorite, and then Ohio State came in and landed him. Vimahi was, as I said, going to go to USC. He was he was set to go to USC and Ohio State. Um, changed the course of that recruitment, um, and that's Ryan Day. You know, that's that's Ryan Day's recruiting ability, and I, I think that you know he's certainly got a different style than Urban Meyer did. He's not the the rock star. He's not going to be able to walk into any living room in the country and have that name recognition. But he's, I, I think. I don't want to say more personable than Urban Meyer because Urban Meyer was a very, like, he's a charismatic guy. He he is able to talk to people. But I think Ryan Day is much more down to earth. I, I think that he is someone who can, you know, any recruit that he's talking to, any recruit's family that he's talking to, um, he, he's going to seem like an extremely real person because he is. He's, he's a very down to earth, very centered person. Um, and he's a guy that, that isn't going to, he, he's not really going to play the games. He's not going to play the recruiting games. I don't think he's going to do a ton of slow-playing guys like Urban liked to do, especially with players in Ohio, which we've we've already seen a couple um, Ohio commits come from Ohio State offering them early and then not trying to to make them wait for a while. And I, I think Ryan Day is he's, – he's a straight shooter. He's a guy who is, you know, 
able to to relate to recruits on an extremely high level just because he's really not that far removed from being a young person and it just the um the staff as a whole is really centered around that idea and i i think that you know there are certainly differences between the ways that the two staffs and the two head coaches recruit but really we haven't seen any kind of drop off at all and I, i'm not entirely sure how um you know how long that will happen for i, I think that there will eventually be you know ohio state's going to start landing top five recruits or top five classes instead of top two classes and um you know that's not that big of a difference really i mean as we saw with clemson you can win championships with top 10 classes instead of top one classes i, I think it's fine and it, it really is just you know he's going to take more ohio guys he's he's more willing to take those ohio guys he's going to you know reach out west a little bit more he's he's got different things that he likes to focus on but with the the final outcome it's going to be about the same in in terms of pure numbers and i i don't think ohio state fans should be worried about it at all that's interesting you bring that up and leads us to something that wasn't planned for us to talk about but i think is maybe a a, a discussion we can really dive into later on in the off season but the fact that yeah, they probably won't be getting top two classes anymore. And I know that you and I are very much to, you know, trust the stars people. If you can get more blue chip, five star, high four star kids, you're going to win games, especially with this type of coaching. But I think what they lose in maybe bringing in top two, top three classes with Urban Meyer, they're going to make up for a little bit with better development. And I don't want to say that to say that Urban Meyer couldn't develop. But if uh, uh, there's a middle ground, and I think you know what I'm saying here, that we haven't seen them play like they've recruited at a top three level the past couple of seasons is really where I'm getting at. And I think if they take a little bit of a step back, but the in-game decisions and some of the personnel choices – are a little bit better, I think that that's going to more than make up for it because the talent gap isn't so severe that you're you're going to see a drop-off in the product, I think is, is where I'm going with this. And I, I do think that you'll see a, a much different product when it comes to that stuff. And you're still going to see blue-chip kids develop and get on the field, but I also think it'll be a lot earlier. And that's something we... So if anybody's seen the uh, introduction, the press conference for Jeff Halfley, uh, go and check it out. We'll link to it in in the piece for this. He was very energetic in in talking about how the cornerbacks are going to play, whether they're going to look back for the ball or not, and just just <laughs> that was stuff a great like answer. <laughs> it, it really was. And I, that may just be like a funny off season thing we all like to laugh about, but I really think it's little things like that that showcase the difference and some of some of the things where he differs from Urban Meyer a little bit. And those are really some of the things that the program has been missing and that has kept them from being really honestly where they should be at. And that's back up into the playoff every single year and not having to worry about missing out because they're losing to 30 by to Purdue or to Iowa and maybe on a, I'm on a little bit of a rant here and a, I'm rambling a little bit and we'll, we'll talk about that later in the off season. But I, I do think it's interesting to note that 
Even though the talent may not be at quite the level, I think that the development, especially earlier on, is going to be better. And it may be old news at this point, but we really can't forget that Zach Harrison would not be at Ohio State if Ryan Day weren't there. So if he was able to do all of this in a short amount of time, I'm very excited to see what he can do with a full year, a full cycle, and a full class. Yeah, I agree. That's that's certainly a discussion that we will will have probably in the middle of summer when there's not a whole lot to talk about. Um, but it, it really is, and I, I hate to keep you know going back to the Clemson example, but that's the way Clemson runs their program is, you know, very much like we're going to take smaller classes. We're not going to take as many guys. We're not going to. Um, you know, over over sign, which is really not a huge deal anymore because people realize that everyone does it, and so they stopped complaining about it. Um, which God, I hope someone eventually you know catches on with the whole uh, not complaining about like uh, SEC bagmen or something like that. Because like, I mean, it just it's a stupid thing to complain about. It's like you know your your favorite team loses a recruit to someone else, and you immediately go like, well, they got bagman. It's like, well, I mean, everybody does. <laughs> Who cares? It's more impetus, Ohio State Bagman. If you're listening to this, please step your bids up. Like yeah, we can, al- we can always if use you're more. <laughs> get us in on this. Send us some money, Ohio State Bagman. <laughs> Send us some shush money. Um, I, I don't know if Ohio State has Bagman. I, I, they probably do, but I don't know. I'm not reporting that. Um, anyway, uh, I, I think that you know. Back to the the point of uh, there might be smaller classes under Ryan Day. You're probably not going to see 25-man classes very often. You're probably going to see um, a continued shift towards quality over quantity, and that's fine. I mean, that's you know that's another way of doing it. You don't have to land the number one class if you have a staff that isn't filled with your friends. I I, I think that that's really the difference here is that as as long as Ohio State's landing top 10 classes, which they will be, um, they're fine. If if their staff is as good as this one is every year, I think the staff is real good. Um, they're going to be a playoff contender and they'll probably make, they'll probably make more playoffs than they don't. Um, and that seems to be the expectation of Ohio State. And for the last four years, save for the year when they, got embarrassed by Clemson they weren't living up to that expectation and I, I think that a slight change in ideology is not the worst thing in the world for this program especially you know not necessarily just with recruiting stuff but with you know the um, the connections to development the connections to the staff that you're hiring and you know the <clears throat> the kind of guys that you're bringing in why you're bringing them in um, and I, I like what Ryan Day is doing so far. I, I, I think that really my only complaint with Day so far is maybe the Greg Madison hire. I'm not sold on that just because of how old he is um, and keeping Greg Studrawa aboard. But everything else he's done has been very, very good. And I, I think that, um, you know, I, I like what his view of Ohio State looks like. I, I like his vision for Ohio State right now. Quality over quantity is the best way to put it, and the fact that Ohio State lost what I, I think is indisputably one of the 10 best coaches to ever coach college football, and everything hasn't just fallen into it's pieces. Is a sta- <laughs> it's and so not amazing. only yeah. fallen into pieces, but the biggest complaint, like you said, is uh, they didn't fire a coach we don't like, and they hired a pretty good coach. He's just kind of old. Like those are our biggest complaints right yeah. now. 
And when you lose a guy like Urban Meyer, that shouldn't be your biggest complaint. So I think it goes to show the health of the program and how smooth this transition has been so far. We'll have to wait and see how the rest of the offseason goes. And then, of course, the games, those are the things that really matter. But as of right now, man, you lose Urban Meyer and there there haven't really been any complaints. And that's super impressive. Yeah, and I, I will say one second on, on this. I, I will say on the, the transition from Urban Meyer to Ryan Day and just the structure at Ohio State. Um, we've talked about this before, I think probably on Twitter. We've talked about this before. Gene Smith does not get enough respect. <laughs> like, just in general, um, he didn't handle the Zach Smith thing well. He didn't handle the Urban Meyer thing well. But his hires so far to say the the transitions from previous coach to future coach, the way that he has handled being the athletic director at one of probably the five largest schools in terms of sports in the country, just with how much people care about the sports, um, not just the major sports either. I mean, across the board, Gene Smith has done an excellent job at Ohio State, and Ohio State fans, I, I think, really owe him not necessarily an apology, but they owe him quite a bit more respect than they give him because he has been spectacular in his his time you know, as the the athletic director. Yeah, I'll trade not going to a bowl game in 2012 for literally everything else yeah. that's happened. <laughs> that was that since was a then. bad decision, and the Zach Smith stuff was not his best. But um, yeah, outside of that, just word up to to Gene Smith. He has been impressive. <laughs> uh, one of his other hires that we obviously really like uh, finally beat Rutgers this season to make a little bit of a rough transition there and talk about. Ohio State basketball. We'll get more into recruiting later on in the next couple of weeks, but shifting to basketball as we do a pretty condensed episode here. Ohio State beat Rutgers, got the revenge game, got Rutgers at home. They reclaimed their S from Rutgers. They, they reclaimed their S. Uh, Ohio State wins 76 to 62, got Penn State tomorrow on Thursday at home. Uh, are you feeling any different about the team? There was a really rough stretch there, which we talked about. We didn't get to talk about them playing Michigan. Pretty tough for a half. I think that game was basically what we thought it would be, but good to see them bounce back with a strong win against Rutgers. Hopefully they're able to replicate that against Penn State tomorrow, but you know they got out of that five-game stretch. They were able to beat Nebraska on the road, played Michigan relatively tough, and it seems like things have stabilized just a little bit. Yeah, I, I think that you know in the past three games, going back to the Nebraska game, they have certainly looked better. Um, the Penn State game, we set the expectation as um, don't get beat as bad as Indiana did, and they didn't. So um, really can't be too upset with that. They showed some fire in the second half and very, very nearly got into a fight, which I don't think would have gone super well for Michigan, given that it was uh, Caleb Wesson doing most of the talking. And I, I think he can probably fight if, if necessary. Um, but the, the Rutgers game, they looked really good. I think it was the best that they have looked since, um, I mean, November, <laughs> maybe early November. Uh, they, it was a it was a complete performance all around. They kept the turnovers down. They shot really well. Um, it was just it was a good all around performance. Caleb Wesson was awesome in that game. They they got back to using him in a way that was um, like good <laughs> for for lack of a, a better you know word. He he certainly shot better than 
he he generally will. But I think they used him in a really good way. They kept him out of turnover trouble by helping him out on defense a little bit more. C.J. Jackson had a really good half, uh, which has become kind of C.J. Jackson tradition to to play one half really really well and then disappear in the other half. Um, Luther Muhammad continuously looking very good. Um, I think he's been probably the second best player on the team for the last couple weeks now and might just be the second best player on the team at this point and Keyshawn Woods had a nice game um so they they certainly they look a little bit more cohesive they they just look better they they look like a better basketball team right now and going into a stretch that really isn't too tricky here these next three games you got Penn State at Indiana and Illinois I think all three of those are winnable, and um, that would certainly be a a good way to bounce back from such a a tough January. Yeah, we've talked about this season pretty much in short stretches, and this next these next three games, Penn State at Indiana, Illinois, are all very winnable games. Uh, Winning the Indiana game would be super nice if they can somehow go three and zero before that game on the road against Michigan State. We don't think they have a shot to win that game, even if they do, but. That would be nice to see them build up into that game on a four-game win streak. And the tournament odds, like we said the last time we talked about them, are super, super low at this point. And right now it's just, hey, can they play with consistency? And them beating a a Penn State team and winning two games in a row, that would show a lot more consistency than they have for the past month and a half. So that's kind of where we are right now, but... And as this as this team this team goes as Caleb Wesson goes, so if he's able to continue to stay out of foul trouble, especially early on, because that seems like it just takes him out of their game when he immediately has to sit on the bench. That's the key for them right now, and I just want to see him play consistently through this next three game stretch, the Michigan State games, whatever. But if they can go two and one or three and zero, oh, then I will be super happy as we head into the middle of February. Yeah, just keep looking cohesive. Keep looking like a basketball team that's getting better. Um, Luther Muhammad needs to keep showing up. I think that it's it's encouraging that he's been playing as well as he has been. Um, he could be really really good next year. I mean, he's already pretty good this year. So uh, I, I think just keep showing improvement is really the key for this team and. You know they've they've certainly they got a chance to do that tomorrow against Penn State. I'm I'm assuming that this podcast will probably be up either right before or right after that. So um, hopefully they beat Penn State or they did beat Penn State, um, and we uh, we'll certainly talk about that in the Indiana game on the uh, the next podcast that we record and. Unless there's anything else to talk about, I will say that uh, people should send us more questions. It's very helpful for for uh, recording in the off season. There's probably not going to be a ton to talk about next week when we record. And if folks have any recruiting questions, if they have any questions about the general football team, if they want us to talk about Greg Schiano getting hired by the Patriots, whatever they can they can do that, and they should send us their questions uh, to at Holy Land Pod on Twitter. It just amazes me that the three best coaches of their era, Saban, Belichick, and Urban Meyer, all like have affinity for these just dog shit coaches. <laughs> they like love it. It, it really, it really <laughs> is shocking that they just love these guys. And I will never understand it, but you know what? They have, uh, they have a lot of titles between the three of them, and sometimes it's just better off not knowing how uh, how things work. I only have one question for you, Patrick, and that is, do you have any eligibility left? Can you play quarterback at Florida State? Because they need one. 
I think I actually do have eligibility left, technically. Um, I don't think I can play quarterback for Florida State. <laughs> but I would accept um, if any Florida State bagmen are, are listening, they can hit me up. Um, they can do that on Twitter, at Patrick underscore Mayhorn. Hit Patrick up there. I am at Dubsco as a podcast. We are at Holy Land Pod, and, of course, the site is at LandGrant33. Make sure to visit LandGrantHolyLand.com and subscribe to our podcast. Go on to Apple Podcast Search, hang out in the Holy Land, and find us on SoundCloud at SoundCloud.com slash LandGrantHolyLand. That's going to wrap up today's episode. We want to thank you guys for listening. We will talk to you next week right here on the Holy Land Pod for Patrick Mayhorn. I'm Colton Denning, and go Bucks. <laughs>